Please stand for the reading of God's word as we focus our mind, body, heart, and soul for hearing the word. The word today comes from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 25. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of God was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I, I, I did not call you, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and he went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I, I did not call you, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Hmm. A third time the Lord said, Samuel, and Samuel got up and he went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel went down and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling, as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to the end, for I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. And Samuel answered, here I am. What is it that he said to you, Eli asked? Did not, uh, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything that he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. The word of God. Please be seated. The story of Samuel, such a familiar story, yet I sense that as we read from your response that there are things you saw in there that maybe you hadn't heard in a while, right? This is a story of hearing and listening, of not hearing and not listening. A story during a confusing and troubling time in Israel a story that we know really well. 
but also troubles us. And so today we're going to spend a few minutes looking at this famous story, well-beloved story of Samuel listening to the call of God. There's a device that's called a mosquito alarm. And here is a picture of it. Not beautiful. Not intended to be. There was a father in a United Kingdom. His daughter came home one night after going to a convenience store where she was troubled by hoodlum teenage boys that were uh, walking around the store and harassing her. And as he listened to his daughter's experience of this, he thought, how can I solve this? And one thing that he did is, as he remembered in his research, and he worked as a teenager in a factory and such, he remembered about high-pitched noises. And so he uh, designed what is called the mosquito alarm. You see, it is an alarm that sends off sound at a certain frequency that only teenagers can hear and annoys them. And so the idea is to put this above a store. This is actually a picture of one above a 7-Eleven here in the US. And it constantly emits this frequency. And the idea is that teenagers or young people under a certain age will not stand around these stores and come up to do no good because the sound annoys them. A pretty genius design, right? Also a pretty horrible design. The humane, uh, not the Humane Society, human rights people talked about this. Um, the, the interesting thing is this won an ignoble peace prize, which is different from the Nobel Peace Prize. The ignoble peace prize honors achievements that make people laugh and then make them think. Oh, okay. <laughs> Honoring achievements that make people laugh and then make them think. And that is the mosquito ring ringtone. And so something interesting happened because teenagers will do what teenagers do, be creative, be resourceful, take things into their own hands. And they took this frequency and designed, this was in 2005, 2006, and they designed a frequency to put on their cell phones so that when messages were sent to their phones at school, the teachers couldn't hear it, but the students could. Pretty cool. That should have won an Ig Nobel Peace Prize perhaps as well. <laughs> so, I'm gonna play a couple of frequencies to you and I wanna see if you can hear these frequencies. We're gonna go from them starting lower where most of us can hear them and the higher the frequency go, fewer of us will be able to hear this. So I'm gonna invite you again to stand, not for the reading of the word, but stand for the listening of frequencies. <laughs> If you can hear the sound, I want you to remain standing. If you cannot hear the sound, I'm going to invite you to sit down, okay? And we'll ignore the lights that just did something weird back here. So, here's the first frequency at eight kilohertz. All of you should be able to hear it and it's gonna annoy you, but here we go. You can all hear that fine? Okay. If you can hear this frequency, the next one's 10 kilohertz, remain standing. Here it goes. If you cannot hear it, please sit down. If you're above the age of 60, you may struggle with it. Okay, next one, 12 kilohertz. Go for it. I'm sad to say that I cannot hear that one. I'm not 50 yet. That's troubling. Okay. 
Next, the next frequency is, is 15 kilohertz. If, so play that one. If you cannot hear it, please sit down, which I need to do right now. You young ones, good for you. Okay. Next one, 17 kilohertz. Play it. Oh, the teenagers are going like, ah! This is the mosquito tone, by the way, 17.4 kilohertz. If you're below the age of 24, or if you are young at heart, maybe you can hear this. And here's the last one, 18 kilohertz. Okay, the rest of you, please be seated now. Okay. Everybody's still with us. This is wild and weird, right? I did it with my kids last night, and they're like, ah, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> now you can see why the mosquito alarm is problematic, right? When it gets to a certain frequency, you cannot hear it anymore. And so this is called presbycusis. Presbycusis is the medical term for this. The ability to hear high frequency deteriorates with age. And those of us who are 45 or up, we can resonate with that. Presbycusis, not being able to hear at certain frequencies. Today, as we think about the story of Samuel, I wonder about presbycusis in the church. I wonder about not being able to hear at certain frequencies and listening to the call of God. The story of Samuel and Eli is an investigation of presbycusis during the time of upheaval in Israel. Eli represents the established religious community, the temple, and Samuel represents the new prophetic mission of Israel. They're trying to hear, but presbycusis is there. And so as we explore this story, Maybe we should ask if we or the church have presbycusis. Have we stopped hearing the God frequency? The story of Samuel is familiar to us all. He was a child, a youth, likely in junior high. Any junior high students, raise your hands. You rock. Eli, the next chapters tell us, was 98 years old at that time and had bad hearing. So let's go through a couple of the slides. First Samuel chapter three verse one says, in those days the word of the Lord was rare, not medium rare, but rare. <laughs> the word of the Lord was rare, there were not many visions. Both these phrases, the, Lord, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. Both these phrases are only mentioned here in all of the Hebrew Bible. We do not find it mentioned anywhere else. Usually the word rare, which can also be translated precious, is reserved for a really expensive item like jewelry, something of immense value because of the lack of supply. The word of the Lord was rare. And this situation that Eli and Samuel find themselves in continues the problem that we see at the end of the book of Judges, where it says in Judges 21 verse 25, and I quote, all the people did what was right in their own eyes. God had brought leaders and judges, but people took matters in their own hands, and Israel as a nation was in a terrible state. 
The word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. I wonder if the Hebrew writer could be writing about American churches today. I wonder if the Hebrew writer could be writing about our lives today, about you and me. Post-pandemic church, there are certain traits that have been observed by the researchers. Fewer people attending church, more turnover in membership, lower offerings, more cheat churches dealing with fearful feelings about their ministry, and the rise in pastoral resignations. According to the data collected in April and May 2020 by Barna Research, this is the beginning of the pandemic, one in three practicing Christians dropped out of church altogether. And it did not improve coming back out of pandemic. So even in pre-pandemic church, attendance in North America for Christianity dropped below 50% for the first time since 1940 when statistics are available. And so you see here is a graph from the Institute of Family from 2019 to 2021. In 2019, 34% of Americans attended religious services at least once or twice a month. That is considered regular church attendance. In 2020, it declined to 31%, and by 2021, regular church attendance once or twice a month was 28%. While many older people are attending church service less also, the highest demographic of people to drop out of church attendance are young adults between the age of 18 and 34. In 2019, 36% uh, attended church once or twice a month, but that number has now dropped to 26%, a 10% drop in two years. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. As the story continues, it doesn't seem to get any better though. In 1 Samuel 3, verse two, it says, one night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. Eli's already aged in the previous episode, but the statement that his eyes had grown dim and that he could barely see was a contrast to Moses, who was the model of faith, and in Deuteronomy 34, in the story of Moses' death, the author included that even at his death, Moses had excellent sight. He could see the promised land. So Eli is contrasted with Moses, even Moses at his old age, Moses could see the promised land, but Eli, this old priest, could no longer see. And perhaps it is more than a physical dilemma for him, but a lack of vision reveals the hopeless state in which Israel and the te temple had become. The word of the Lord was rare, Eli could barely see. This is depressing. And as it is depressing, we need to pay attention to our thoughts and feelings on all of this. But there is more to the story. Verse three says the following, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Yet, there is that word, yet. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. It's depressing, there's doom and gloom, but in the darkness of Israel and Eli and our lives, there is light. 
And there's not just light at the end of the tunnel, there's light in the temple of God. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. This is the word of God to us, to us as a church. The good news is that we are not dead yet. The lamp of God has not gone out. And why not? Because the story tells us that the lamp was being tended by a teenager. Why has the lamp of God not gone out? Because the lamp of God was being cared for by a teenager. Eli, whose job it was, was sleeping and far away. Took this young man and put him in next to the lamp. The lamp had not gone out because it was Samuel's job to keep the lamp lit from sunrise to sunset to sunrise. So there is good news. The word of God and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. It's interesting in this story that it puzzles me because in 1 Samuel 3 verse 7 it says the following. Now Samuel did not know the Lord, did not yet know the Lord. There's that word yet again. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The Lord, the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So Samuel in this story still had ways to go. As a teenager, he had to grow and progress along with God, the story tells us. He tends to the lamp, and the lamp of God does not go out, but this teenager apparently does not know God yet. Interesting. The lamp of God had not gone out yet because a teenager tended to the light, even though he did not know the Lord of the light. Hope is found in the most unexpected way and in the most curious way in God's kingdom. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. And so as we look at this picture of the temple, the story that we know, Nathan, if you can put up that picture, this is a story we know so well of Samuel in the temple. The lamp of God obviously represents the presence of God. God had not given up on Israel, and God does not give up on us. As we look at this image, we understand that Eli is a terrible priest. We don't know much about his early days of, as a priest. We find him in the story as he is old. But we know that when Samuel's mother, Hannah, came to the temple in the previous chapters, and she was sobbing before God because she could not conceive, he thought she was drunk. What a great way to meet your pastor. Welcome to Last University Church. Are you drunk? Eli could not see God at work in a crying woman. Eli's own sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who were in the, the priestly line and were working in the temple, they were drunkards, they prostituted with women at the temple, and they stole meat from the temple. The temple under Eli and his sons had become a sham. No wonder the word of God was rare. And as dark as it seemed, the lamp of God had not gone out because of a teenager who was there. The word for us is alive and burning bright. We are not yet dead. The lamp of God still burns. 
My friends, the church has a serious case of presbycusis. Just because we cannot hear God's mosquito ringtone doesn't mean somebody else cannot. It is interesting that Saint Benedict, the monk from the early centuries, he always had young monks with him to make decisions for his order because he said, quote unquote, the Lord often reveals what is better to the young. There are frequencies that the older and established of us cannot hear, but new Christians and young Christians and people outside of our gates can hear the surprising voice of God. It's not that God is not speaking to those of us who are older. The lamp is still burning, but our hearing has deteriorated, and our old ways of hearing don't work anymore. So as a church, we need to listen to God through new ways and new people and new frequencies that we see and recognize in others. And just because I cannot hear God in one frequency doesn't mean somebody else can hear God in another. But the story goes deeper than this. We need to be careful. This is not a romanticizing of new or young people. God reveals the truth. God is the revealer of the truth, not young or new people and not old people. It is God who reveals the truth. Eli was not near the ark. He was not near the flame. The Bible says he was lying far away. But in spite of Eli's spectacular shortcomings, God still uses Eli. God uses Eli. And we see in the story that three times Samuel hears a voice and he says, here I am, and he runs to Eli, thinking that it is Eli who had called him, and three times this happens, and Eli recognizes that it is God who is calling this young man. Verse eight through nine says, then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy, so Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel tended to the lamp of God, but he did not know God yet. Eli, it took him a while to figure out what was going on. Answers don't come just like this at the first time of asking for both Eli and for Samuel. It is a process of discerning. And so Eli perceived that God was calling this boy. He eventually got on God's ringtone. And he said to, to Samuel, go back and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so Samuel goes from hearing to listening, and Eli goes from barely seeing to seeing. Eli perceived God's presence and pointed it out to this young junior high Samuel. And so the story of the call of Samuel is also the story of Eli's calling. Samuel could not hear God's word without Eli. Samuel and Eli needed each other. Young and old need each other. Established and new need each other. You and I need each other. Samuel could hear God's mosquito ringtone. He just didn't know that it was God. Eli couldn't hear a thing, but he perceived in Samuel's response that God was up to something new. What a timely story for us as a church and the reality of post-pandemic life. 
And here we are in a transition from one lead pastor to another, from church coming out of pandemic to what we hope is post-pandemic. Here we are as a congregation, as a church, at a transition, recognizing we're part of a larger transition of Christianity in North America and in the world. I have four brief reflections on this story. The first is this. It is easy to miss God's call and to attribute it or to attribute it to a human instead. <laughs> that blows my mind. It is easy to miss God's call or attribute it to a human instead. When most of us talk about our calling, we don't describe a major disruption in our life. For some, that is the case. But for most of us, instead, we speak of the quiet, slow awakening, perhaps to a life of service or some injustice that happened that we want to address or fix. So like Samuel, we often have periods of uncertainty regarding uh, what we are called to do or to be in this world. And we need to be careful if we're not persistent in seeking after that, or if we don't seek counsel from others, it is easy to miss the call of God in our lives. Or worse yet, not to see the passions and concerns of our lives as God's calling, but simply human aspirations. It is easy to miss God's call in our lives. And it often takes others in our lives to help us in understanding the call that God places before us. So that's the first. It's easy to miss God's call. The second learning for me is that God moves forward through outsiders. Samuel in this narrative is an outsider, by the way. It's Eli's sons who come from the priestly line, and it is their birthright to serve in the temple. Yet they did not act justly. They used their position for personal gain instead of service to God. And so throughout the Bible, God does not always choose the expected ones. God chooses the outsiders and surprising ones. Jacob, Joseph, Moses, David, all these people were unlikely choices. Jesus called fishermen and laborers to serve as his disciples instead of priests and prophets of Jerusalem. Power and position in the church or power and position in the community do not guarantee a similar place in God's world. All, even outsiders and maybe specifically, are given a task in God's kingdom. According to the religious hierarchies of the day, the people who should have heard God's voice were Eli and his sons. They were the authorities, the ultimate insiders by birth and vocation. But they were not the ones that God chose they shunned God. Instead, God chose Samuel, a boy, a young boy, an outsider, one who wasn't caught up in political interest of his elders, a young boy who could tolerate an unfamiliar voice and an uncomfortable message, a message that would upend the very institution he knew best. God moves forward through outsiders. A third learning for me is that God's call is to change human systems that are broken, leading those who move forward with God's own difficult paths. God, God's call often involves working to change human systems that are broken. 
And so just as moving into the promised land didn't just automatically guarantee the perfect life, neither does God's call to serve work like that. God's words to Samuel were hard. Imagine hearing that as a junior hire. God's words to Samuel were hard to hear and even harder to speak to others. For they involved judgment against Eli who raised him and his own children. But like Samuel and Isaiah and Jeremiah, God's call often involves working to change human systems that are broken and leading those who move forward with God down very difficult paths. I'm just going to do a side note here very quickly. It is very easy for us to interpret this familiar story uh, in this way that there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God, which is true. Many children's stories on Samuel try to make this point. You can know about God, but you need to know God. But I wonder if the writer of 1 Samuel is also saying something bolder than that. Something about the spiritual risk involved in becoming too insular, too churchy. Some, there's something about the shadow side of human institutions, even the most well-meaning and well-run religious institutions. There's something about the necessary role of an outsider as a prophet in speaking to the established religious communities. Professor George Knight is an Adventist historian from, who, who wasn't an Adventist historian from Andrews University, and he studied Adventism and the institutions of life cycles and he used the sociologist David Moberg's um, model for institutions about life cycles and applied it to Seventh-day Adventism. In 1995, uh, in the 1990s, George Knight wrote about this, and I think it still applies today. There are five life cycles in a religious institution. The first is inception and organization. Filled with the spirit, uh, we organized, which is what we did in 1866. The second is formal organization, what we did in 1866. And then the third is maximum efficient. We see the Seventh-day Adventist church go from uh, a few thousand to, to hundreds of thousands into what today is 20 million religious institution membership. And then it goes to institutionalism on step four. And that institutionalism... It becomes more stuck in its ways. And at the 150-year mark, George Knight says that we enter into the disintegration stage of religious cycles of institutions. It is 156 years since our Seventh-day Adventist Church has formally organized. And George Knight says that churches are on the, the among, among the most to resist change. Here's a quote from 1995, and I think it applies today. George Knight says, Nearly everyone seems to agree that radical administrative and institutional reorganization, consolidation, and reform are imperative, but few appear to be willing to put their best judgments into action. The result is that a great deal of money and effort is expended in defending the existence of the status quo when these resources might better be used to develop new structures and new methodologies to reach the movement's original goals. Wow, can I hear whatever the opposite of amen is? Thank you, Nate. I mean, that's amen, but it's also oh, man. <laughs> I don't know what the opposite is. I'm sorry. That was written 20-some years ago. 
And as we're the church coming out of a pandemic and in transition and Christianity in the world and Adventism in North America, George Knight's words ring true to us. The status quo costs a lot of money and perhaps there's better ways to use it to new methodologies and structures. God's call is to change human systems that are broken, leading those who move forward with God down very difficult paths. Friends, are we ready to go down a difficult path? A young teenager in a dusty temple with the lamp of God went down a difficult task to proclaim judgment, God's judgment, and share that with a religious establishment and say God is doing a new thing. So I wonder if the writer in 1 Samuel is saying something to us about the spiritual risk involved in becoming too churchy. When I think about my own God-saturated upbringing, I am filled with gratitude. I'm so glad I had the privilege to grow up in the church, to be shaped from my earliest memories by the rituals and rhythms of the church. But the story of Samuel gives me pause is it possible that my overfamiliarity has made it harder for me to hear new and unexpected words from God? Is it possible that my churchiness dulls my ears to God's call? If so, if so, I take comfort in the fact that God did not give up on Samuel. That God used Eli. That God called again and again and again until Eli could recognize that God was speaking to this young man and Samuel learned to listen. One last learning. God's call comes when we least expect it and often to those we least expect. God is always a God of surprises. We as the church need to be like Eli, encouraging everyone to hear the voice that God calls them to into all that they've been created. And at the same time, we help each other to tell the truth even when the truth is hard to hear. Like Eli, may we be on the lookout for new and surprising ways and people and unexpected places and ways for where God is moving in our church and in our world. God's call comes when we least expect it and often to the least we expect. So we have this picture of Samuel in a temple with the lamp of God. And here are a few questions I reflect on and I hope you reflect on these questions too. Who helps you to articulate the response to the calls in your life? Who helps you to articulate the mosquito ringtones of God in your life? Seek out someone who can be an Eli for you. Because God may be calling you, you simply don't know it. How? And how do we do that for other people? When is the last time you took the opportunity to, to light a lamp of God for someone who, who didn't recognize God's voice, but you saw it in their lives? Who is going to say, that's God's ringtone to someone who doesn't know it? 
You and I have the opportunity to be someone who points out Jesus to someone in the dark. And what is it about God's call that lays claim on us? How is God speaking to us? How do we not let God's words fall to the ground, as 1 Samuel says? When God calls you and me by name, what will we say? The last learning in this text for me is that it goes from Samuel's response, here I am, to God's call, see I am. As you follow the narrative, the story begins with here I am. Four times Samuel says here I am, the first time to God who he didn't know God, and then three times to Eli. Samuel says here I am. And then it moves from that to see I am doing a thing. And you find that word in the Bible. I never knew it was there, tingle. I see I'm doing a thing that's gonna make the ears of everybody here a tingle. It's judgment, yes, but it is a new future and a new hope with the lamp of God burning brightly. Here I am to see I am. The first prophetic task is to listen, not speak. The first prophetic task is to listen, then see what God is doing, then serve without abandon. Listen for God, see God, serve God without abandon and go down the difficult road accompanied by the Holy Spirit. A beautiful story, a challenging story an upsetting story, a revolutionary story, a gospel story. Think about these mosquito ringtones again and we all are standing and we couldn't hear and uh, last night our youth ministry combined with uh, all the other youth ministries in our Southeastern California conference and had what they call the Valley Vespers. Pastor Steve and I were the oldest people in the room. Um, helping running sound and things, and we had our youth lead worship here, and before they uh, uh, let out in worship, some of our youth who are at the academy are today over at a different church, and so I told them, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play these mosquito ring time tones tomorrow, and so I put on my phone, and I, and I tested it with them all standing there, and so Sydney, and Titan, uh, and Michaela, and Addison, and uh, Lauren, and Camden, and Corinna, they were all here, and I played it, and I played the ringtones, and the first ones we all could hear, right? <laughs> and then when I got to, to the ringtone that I couldn't hear, they were all like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can hear that. <laughs> and then when I played the mosquito ringtone, they are like, ah! But when I told them, uh, Andrew was here as well, another mom, and when we told them we couldn't hear them and they could hear it, their eyes lit up. You could just see the like, we can hear it, you can't. They were so excited about it. And then Steve and I, sat at the back there and we run the sound for their worship at volume that I can never comfortably listen to. Singing songs that I don't always know, but boy, those youth, their eyes were lit up because they heard the ringtone of God. They were in the sanctuary and they were worshiping with and in front of their peers. 
the lamp of God was lit brightly. They were tending to the lamp. I could see it. Texted them this morning, I was so proud of you. You all did amazing last night. I hope you can come do it here. We don't have to just do it outside. We talk about the youth are the, the future of the church. That's a lie. The youth are the church. The old people, us old people, I consider myself on that. We are the church too. God is speaking to our youth in incredible and surprising ways. And I confess that I don't always recognize it because I don't want to. But the lamp of God is burning. And our young people are in the temple. May we, may we be Eli to the people in our lives, to the generations in our churches. May we be Samuel that we hear the call through the wisdom of the community and serve God without abandon down a difficult road, but a rewarding, inspiring, transformational road that brings glory to God here and forevermore. Amen.